This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. <clears throat> Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of beginning the fourth book of the Torah, Parshas Bamidbar, Sefer Bamidbar. Sefer Bamidbar is called Sefer Apikudim, the book of counting, because it begins with the counting of the Jewish people in the second year that they are in after they've left Mitzrayim, and it ends the book towards the end in Parshas Pinchas, where the Jewish people are counted again. The Nitziv, in his introduction to the Sefer, basically tells us that the book is a transition from the Malomenateva, from the supernatural existence that they experienced in the desert, being nourished by the Mun and having their water supply coming from the Be'er of Miriam to, at the end of the 38 years later, in the Midbar, they're coming into Eretz Yisrael in a more natural way. In terms of mitzvos found in this week's parsha, which contains the counting of B'nai Yisrael, as we mentioned, according to the Chinuch, who follows the opinion of his Rebbe, the Rambam, there are no mitzvos of the Tariag of the 613 included in this week's parsha. The Bahag, however, does count the last Pasuk in the parsha as one of the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah. The end of the parsha is speaking about the roles of the Nevi'im. The Nevi'im were counted separately from the rest of the Jewish nation and we are told that the family of Kahas, their responsibility was to transport the Mikdash, the sanctuary, in the desert when it moved from location to location. At the very end of the parasha, we are told that there was a exact procedure that was to be followed, namely, that when God gave the sign by the cloud ascending that the camp was to break and they were to move on so Aaron and his sons would come and they would cover the holy vessels they would cover the ark they would cover the mizbachos, the altars they would cover the menorah they would cover the shulchan. And when and only when the articles were covered, then the family, the Levium of Kahas, would come and they would carry 
and transport these vessels literally on their shoulders. However, the Torah warns that they are not to come, the Levium, and to be present to gaze upon the holy objects while they are being, if I can use the term, dressed, while they are being covered. The last verse therefore reads, But they shall not come and look as the holy is inserted, meaning into its sheath, into its covering, lest they die. Now this death is not from the hands of man, it is Misa Bidei Shamayim, still most serious, and therefore the Levim were instructed to wait until the vessels were covered. The Bahag counts this as one of the 613 mitzvahs. Now some say it refers to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, 81b, where the Mishnah speaks of Hagone Vesakisva, if somebody were to steal a vessel from the base Migdash, that they are subject to this kind of punishment. Or some say that perhaps it refers literally to the context in which we had it, that Levim were not to watch the covering of the vessels. The Rambam cites the Gemara in Yuma 54a to show why he disagrees with the Bahag and does not count this last verse as one of the 613 mitzvahs. The Gemara teaches in the name of Rav Katina. When the people of Israel would ascend and go to the base Hamigdash, please God, Shavuos is coming. And Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos we did when we had a base Hamigdash. And please God, in the near future, we will ascend to the base Hamigdash when we have the third base Hamigdash. So the Mishnah says what was done. Megalgalin lahen es haparoches. They would roll up the curtain for them, meaning for the people to see. Umarin lahen es hakruvim shehoyumurim zebozeh, and they would show the Israelites that came to Oleregel that the Kruvim, the cherubs, atop the angelic figures, atop the ark, were joined together, literally hugging one another in an embrace. The Omrim Lahem, and the Kohanim would tell the people, Ru chibaschem lefnei hamakom. Behold, note the fondness and how beloved you are before God, kechibas zochar unikeva, like the love of a male and a female. Now the Gemara asks, 
Rav Chizda asks from our last verse in this week's parsha, the lo yavolerose kivala es hakodesh, but the Levites were not to look as the objects were being covered. So, if this applied to the insertion of the holy vessels into their respective containers, and if the Levites in this week's parasha are prohibited to look at the ark, even as it's being placed in its cover, then how were the Kohanim permitted to display the ark to the general public on the Chagim? And Rav Nachman gives the following answer, that the, this prohibition did not apply when we had a base amigdosh. Mashal, to what may it be compared? To a kala, to the bride. Kozman shehi beves ovia. As long as she was in her father's house, meaning she's an arusa. She's what we call today engaged, betrothed, but not yet married, has not yet been under the chuppah. Then, she is modest before her husband, and therefore the Levim could not see. It was the relationship of like an arusa. However, kivan, shepasa, lebeis chamiya, however, once she's fully married, which is what the situation is, when we came into Eretz Yisrael and had a base hamikdash, then she's no longer modest before her husband, she's natural and at home with him, and therefore the Jewish people could see the Oron and see the embrace of the Kruvim. What is the reason for the Levim not being able to be there when the holy objects are being covered. I'd like to suggest that the reason is as follows. Familiarity can bring with it, unfortunately, a lack of reverence. And the Torah wants to ensure that as important as and as honorable as it is for the Levium of Kahas to have this privilege of carrying the holy objects, there is to be this very clear demarcation. I can only get this close. I cannot go beyond. Namely, there has to be that reverence which is maintained. And so we find that in the Beis Amigdash Prapa, which by definition shows God's incredible love for the Jewish people, like the Medrash says at the beginning of Pasha's Truma, to what may be compared to a father that has but one daughter. And he says to his son-in-law at the time of the marriage, to tell you you can't take her away, 
I couldn't tell you. But to tell you that you will take her away from me, you can't do that either. And therefore, make for me a place, and I will be able to come and be with you. And similarly, God says to the Jewish people, for us Mikdash, there's no greater love that God shows to his people than is literally residing in our midst. But at the same time, to make sure and to ensure that there is this proper balance between love and reverence, the Torah therefore charges us with the prohibition of there is to be a sense of reverence in the Beis And so the Navi Yecheskel says that please God, in the third what's going to be you're going to enter one way and you're going to exit another way and why says the Chassid Yavitz in order that you realize this is not your regular and usual home this is different in a person's home we go in and out the same way but to show that this is special the Beis HaMikdash it's going to be the concept of reverence is one that too often is lacking today. Our synagogues are a mikdash ma'at, and those who daven in a shtibel, but the very term shtibel comes from the Yiddish word shtup, and shtup means a house. It's wonderful that many people feel at home in the shul. They feel at home and they're able to daven with Islavos, they're able to daven with passion. There isn't that coldness during tefillah, which is wonderful. But on the other hand, unfortunately, if throughout they'll come early, they'll have a cup of coffee, they'll have a cup of tea, and what's going to happen is too often that line of demarcation is crossed, and therefore there's going to be schmoozing during the repetition of the Shemona Esrei and during the davening. And unfortunately today, if there's not schmoozing, there's going to be the taking out of your phone and getting and, and surfing on the internet. This is such disrespect to the it's that sense of reverence. On the one hand, the Torah says, this kibbut av'eim. And kibbut av'eim brings with it an incredible sense of personal closeness. How do we define the Gemara in Kedushin? Defines kibbut as doing for them what they did for you, to literally feed them if they need to be fed, and dress them if they need to be dressed. And look at the incredible closeness which could develop and therefore, the same Torah says, Ish There is to be a sense of reverence. You dare not call your father by his first name. You are to stand when your father and mother come in. You're not to sit in their chair. This very delicate balance that we don't lose the sense of reverence. Well-meaning that people might be, if a person at the Shabbos table will ask, now tell me, what did the rabbi say in Shul the Shabbos? And they'll refer to the rabbi by his first name. And unfortunately, children at the table are going to hear this, not only for the sake of the children, that it is a once again a sense of, unfortunately, demeaning and bringing down that sense of 
balance and reverence that they are to have, as we find in the Shulchan Aruch Yoridea in Resh Mem Beis, that just as we're not to call a father by his first name, so too Asolikros the Rabbo Bishmo, so too you can't call the Rebbe, your teacher, by his first name. It's this very delicate balance which the Torah is teaching us at the end of Parshas Amidbar. And it's a lesson that we need to learn that will help us, please God, very soon when we're privileged to have the third base Amidbar and make us worthy thereof. Shabbat Shalom to all.